The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed on this podcast are solely those of the speakers and by no means represent that of Iron Valley's cast. Hello, story lovers. Welcome to the Short Tales Club, a place where I and my friends rethink and discuss short stories that we find fun and interesting. Please note that this is a spoiler future as we cannot be held accountable for our frenzied excitement. Seriously, we really can't help ourselves. Other than that, enjoy the show. Welcome to another episode of Short Tales Club. My name is Oz, and with me are... Hi, Eva. Debbie. Ooh, so today we have Debbie with us. This is her first time joining the crew, and, um, well, we welcome her warmly. Um, I will not be moderating this session. Don't call it panel. I, I would, it's because it's a discussion amongst friends, so I, I don't think it's as formal as a panel. I won't be moderating today's session. Um, I'll be handing over to Habiba, who I am sure will do an excellent job. By the way, Habiba hosts a book club. She is good at this thing. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you what the title of the story is, so I will let Habiba handle all of it. Okay. Hello, story lovers. Today, we are bringing you an amazing story with a content warning. I'm serious. The story came with a warning at the top. (laughs) It says, content warning, human trafficking. They should have put even more warnings there, but they only put the human trafficking warning, so beware. Mm -hmm. The story we are reading today is Call Her No One by Francis Ogamba. Right? Yeah, I think that's the pronunciation. Oh, I not get the accent correct, but that is it. That's not the Francis Ogamba. Debbie, Debbie, you can tell us what is it? Francis Ogamba. Uh-huh. Is that what people are saying? There's a way I said it. There's an information with the way she was saying it. Okay, if you say so. <laughs> The story we are discussing today is Call Her No One by Francis Ogamba. It's a story about a woman or a young girl who is going through a spree of pregnancy and adoption or selling babies, if you want to be frank. It follows a girl called Inne. Inne is pregnant, has the baby, and the baby is adopted. She gets pregnant again, has another baby. And the baby gets adopted. And all through, Inna is the narrator of the story, but you get this sort of passiveness to her, like she is outside of her body. She is just going through the motions. Before we go further, let's do the sound review. So who will start? What okay. do you think about the story? Baby. I thought she was replying. What does. What is the sound review that I have? What is, why are you dissecting my sound review? How can that be? <laughs> I don't even know what to say. <laughs> Please take that again. Now we need to wait. Please, what's a sound review? Am I supposed to do? Mm, 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 too? No, let's 
playing the sound review to Debbie. Mm-hmm. This is her first time going in. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the sound me. review is what you think about the story without words. Like okay. your first impression of the story as you were going. Like, hey, how was tell? I supposed to know this if you didn't tell me? It's supposed to be spontaneous. Sound review. Review this. No, I mean sound. Baby, your sound review. Uh, I like that. Thank you. I like you, my sound. (laughs) (laughs) My sound review. Hi. (laughs) True, true. I agree with that. I get that. Moving on, what I want us to talk about first is the narration. Like when you started reading this, because I read it this morning, I started it. I was like, okay, what on earth is going on in this story? Did it make you make you people cringe? Like, I don't want to finish, but I knew I had to finish. Okay, um, for me, I've read this story a long time ago. I think it's um, it's one of the first stories written by Francis that I had come across. It's, it was after this that I was like, I need to find more stories by this girl. And I need to follow her. Like, farms, farms her from the, a people find girl from afar kind of thing. And... She has been like churning out works after works after works, and I am quite impressed with her progress. Um, the story, you know that kind, you know the kind of story that you would read, and then it will haunt you forever. Like I don't know if I'm saying this because I'm female, and maybe if I was a guy, I wouldn't, it wouldn't touch me in the same way. Or maybe it's because it's a woman that wrote it. I don't know. But this is one of those stories that long after, like when I was talking to Debbie and I was like, okay, um, which I, I, I was, was we're going to pick a story. And I'm like, you remember Francis, right? And then she got all excited and she was like, do you remember her story called no, um, call, call Her No One? Yes, I cannot remember the title, but I then described it. I said, is it the story that this happened and this happened? And she's like, yes. So when you think Francis, you think this is this is the story that made Francis, like, um, like that stamps her in our memory. It's a powerful story. It's, I don't know, cringe is a small word. If there is something more sharp, more... I don't know, than cringe, that is what it is. You are reading this story and you want to disappear. You want to leave your body. You want to you want to save this girl. You want to put your hand in there and pick her and run away. Like, it's it's a whole jumble of emotions. That's for me. Yeah, Daddy. Uh, okay, first of all, I think I have to point out that I like Frances. First, before Fun, I yeah. talk about the story, so yes, whatever I say, just so that this is a, um, a not so obsessed fan talking about a, um, a hair, so you get. So yes, call her no one. I can't say how many times exactly I've gone back to read the story. Um, the story got published at the time when I was looking for something on language, something strong on language, and. The story was the answer for me. Apart from the structure, the plot and all that, I loved that she did something uncommon with language. Frances talked about 
difficult situations, uncomfortable things, and you are liking the sentences, you are liking the flow of words, but you are feeling uncomfortable. Like, what, what is this I'm reading? Are you serious? Is somebody really doing this? How, how, how come it looks this real, you know? So she did that. At, I love that. Even though you would enjoy reading the story, you look at uh, sentences and everything, you still feel um, sort of guilty. You feel bad for reading and enjoying it because this is somebody's misery. This is somebody's um, nightmare while reading and enjoying. So yes, France has got us with this story. <laughs> I loved it. Yeah, I think that was it for me too. Like the subtle horror of it because it was yeah. horror. But she managed to make it sound also relatable, also mm. simple. You are just going along with the story, but then I keep thinking, like, but those children that they took, where are they right now? Yes, are I, they I dead? wonder too. Yes. Yes. Are they adopted? Because there's no assurance that these children are alive or if they are going to loving parents. All we know is that somebody pays a huge amount of money and takes them. That is it. No, I think at some point she mentioned that Maybe the new parents would buy the baby better clothes, matching socks. It is a maybe. It is yeah. Which means it is possible that they are going to a slaughterhouse or they are going to exactly. a rich home in Lekki Phase 1. You know, so it, yeah. It could be anyone of it. And that is what it is buying. And it's sad that we don't know. <laughs> I think that's the worst part of the yes, story for me. Yes. The best part is that she leaves you guessing. You don't yes, know what yes. happens. You don't know what's going to happen. Even for Inne herself, what exactly is she going to go through after she runs away? Yes. We, we uh, I love the suspense. I love the suspense and I hated it too. <laughs> I think she did, um, I don't know if it was conscious on Francis' part, I don't know, but the fact that, okay, you are the reader and you don't know and it's bothering you, but at the end of the day you're still a third party, there is this main character that is narrating the story to you in this, as Habiba rightly said, this passive tone of voice. And even she herself, who is the mother of all of these children, does not know. So imagine the anguish, imagine the, I don't know what word to use, but imagine what she must have been going through, the mental whatever that she must have been going through, not knowing, not being able to tell, and having no way to find out. It's not like the aunts, the aunts in quotes, takes the time to do any kind of follow-up. It's all about who can pay, and then that child is gone. So in future, our children could just marry each other. Each <laughs> other from somewhere. In fact, they won't even be from the same state. One would go to the NYS in another state and then meet another one. Like, it's crazy. So imagine the mother of these children, what she must have been going through not knowing. You people are describing what you are feeling, not imagine what she is, or she went through. Well, that has not crossed my mind, marrying each other. 
and you just I'm put so, it in my head. I'm surprised she thought about it, and now I can't get it off my mind. <laughs> <laughs> my mind didn't go there. Like, I, my mind just went to ritual house, slaughterhouse. Yeah. <laughs> well, me, I'm kind of hopeful. I want to, I want to believe that there are some rich people out there who um, they've not had kids. And they need to fake this and say that they 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 or adopt formally adopt. In fact, if you want to formally adopt, you will go to hospital. You won't go to backyard and do deal with auntie. So yes, rich people that do not want people to know that they can't have children. So they will say they've sent Madame to UK or UK. somewhere, and yeah. she's she need bed rest for nine months, and then she'll now come back, and then they'll now go to airport and receive her with her new baby. Something like that. Yes, because I believe I believe that our clients are rich clients because look at how much they pay. Look at the look at the um, level of um, uh, what, what's the word? Look at how quiet and mysterious the whole deal is. It's obvious they don't want anybody to know. Probably I won't be surprised if our clients are um, people in high places, maybe people living in government houses, people living in expensive houses. They pay good money. Look at Daniel. Daniel has a steady full-time job. Just come to the house. <laughs> yes, so every month. Seven days in every month, sleep with this girl, get her pregnant, and you have money. 100K. Some salary and us don't earn that much. So yes, this is a big business. Just that, well, it's a terrible one. It's a very lucrative business. <laughs> but I don't know how many well. of those we have around. <laughs> yeah. So I kept wondering, like, Daniel, did you guys think maybe Daniel was not Nigerian? I don't know. The way they were talking about him, he just sounded like a foreign person. Okay, uh, I think Daniel was. Okay, go on, Deborah. In my mind, Daniel was a full-fledged Potakot boy, living in Rumokoro, <laughs> or a Unipot boy from Choba, Choba main campus, no, Abuja, Abuja main campus. So, Daniel is a big boy. <laughs> Daniel is a big boy who wears fine clothes and has a girlfriend who is probably following another sugar daddy, but Daniel oh, loves no. that girl. And Daniel tells the girl, don't worry, I have a job. I'm going to settle your bills. And Daniel does this other job. When you see Daniel on the road, he tells her, we're going to build houses together, build a family, in fact. But he has this job he does. The girl doesn't even, probably doesn't know what he does because he said it um, in a way that says, I'll, I'll pay, I'll, I'll settle you when I get paid or something, you know. So I'll Daniel has when this I other life. Paid. Yes, he has this other life. And he has another life outside. That if you... One of you, one of us, if we meet Daniel on the way and were interested in Daniel, we would have dated Daniel and liked him because he looks like a gentle, good boy that won't even smoke or do bad things. Just that he has this other secret thing he's doing. It's like Daniel is living two lives and he's managing it quite well. Aha, I, I'm like, I'm glad you ended it on this note. At the end of the day, Daniel impressed me. I'm I sure like you. I know that what he was doing was enabling somebody that was trafficking a human being. But yes. let's come back to the fact of his fastidiousness. 
Hey, Daniel will come and he will greet you. Like, we're not fighting. This is business. You greet him and you talk about the weather. And when it's time to go and do the job, we will enter room and do the job. And I will not even look at you so that I must see something. Yes. Which made, which I mean, at the end of the day, how many, yes, very professional, and I think yes. that is why Habiba thought he's not Nigerian, it is the way he's very serious about, like, this is a, this is a job, let's do it and do it very well, you know, uh, and then like, I cannot I mean, go back and the professionalism could be due to the fact that he has a girl he loves, do you know that? Yeah, so he was able to detach himself from this. Yes, completely from Nne. Nne is just a job. Nne is a piece of wood that just produces baby by accident, you know. So I don't even think he worries about what she does with what happens afterwards. For him, she's just that so, thing that he yeah, needs to mechanical for him. Days. Yeah, and it's over and done with. So yes, we yeah. agree. We all like Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> and we agree he's a Nigerian, even though I don't think he's a Nigerian. He's from Uniport, I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> As I was reading it, I just kept doing for India, like which part of the country does India come from? Like when the auntie was using fuel and mm -hmm. hot water to heat her belly and mm -hmm. everything, I was like, oh. I thought it was only us in the north that did this because no, I heard no, it from no. our team. If you give no, them, no, I think it's a universal thing. I've seen you all pass through. Yeah, but I think Nne is Igbo. Nne is Igbo, and that's not even a name. Do you know that? Yeah, the name sounds Igbo. I mean, Nne is Igbo. Yeah, it's not a name. Nne is a mother in Igbo. Nne is like um, uh, a pet name, sort of. If you there's a part in the story where. The way aunt called her Nne and Nne herself didn't feel that connection attached with that. Yeah, family. because it's supposed to be a, a term of endearment. Yes, yes. Nne could also mean Nenna. It could be a short form of she, um, other names, you know, Nenna, Nne. Uh, I don't remember other Nne related names. Nneka. Yes, Nne, Nneka. But that's Francis messing, mm -hmm. Francis messing with our head as usual. Letting us guess. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know why I just kept thinking like where is she from? Where I wanted to know where exactly this story was taking place. Call her no one. That's I think the point. one of the things she didn't give us. Bandicast provides a platform for artists to showcase their talents. Whether you are a writer, poet, painter, dancer, singer, etc., visit www.iambalitcast.com and create your artist profile. This will allow members of our community to find and engage with you. But that's not all. Iambalitcast also has a growing catalog of podcasts ranging from lifestyle and poetry to manga and novels. So join our family, get discovered, and enjoy more podcasts. I think Francis was, Francis was, see, I'm calling her Francis because you guys are saying Francis. <laughs> I think, I think Francis deliberately did that thing throughout the story, not allowing us to know certain things, being deliberately stingy with certain details. It, it adds to the mysteriousness surrounding Nne. Call her no one. She doesn't belong to anybody. She doesn't belong to anywhere. 
Okay, now you are just sounding like a Buhari. Hey, whoa, <laughs> stop for me back, you know. <laughs> stop it. Belong to no one. Don't do that. <laughs> so yes, if this was supposed to, if this, um, if this had happened to somebody else, you know, somebody who was probably important to her parents, they would have looked for her. They would have made effort to find her. Uh, her real aunties, uncles would have looked for her. But Ine was a perfect um, person for the job because, well, she was in a fix. This person came. Yes, victim, that's what I was looking for. She was in a fix. This person came with a green light, light at the end of the tunnel to help her, not knowing she was going into a trap, you know, an endless circle of something she could hardly ever get out of. So, yes, not knowing certain things about Ine about the story deliberately adds to the mysteriousness surrounding surrounding me. So yes, I feel bad all over again. <laughs> and I you know the no one part of it. It's so game of throny like part of the house of black and white assassins and everything. No one. Yeah. Which I mean which part of the story was your favorite? Ah, let me go first. I love the part where she... just say, let me go for it. Before <laughs> no, I know it's my She has to go Okay, okay, let me I love, I love I the part where... I have my favorite the whole story was. Uh-huh. I love the part where the train leaves um, the aunt at the at the train station. In fact, I think that part is Potakot. I'm going to check again. <laughs> so, yes, I love that the aunt didn't see it coming. You know, she was a person who who always followed our rules, do things this way. The midwife is supposed to come on the eighth day. Daniel does this. Take your folate. Do this one. There's timetable and everybody must follow it. So this um, providence, this act of providence, the train appearing, somebody, a God bless that woman, pushing into the train <laughs> and all that, just took things out of the woman's control for a moment. And that tiny minute, was a breakthrough for me, and I love that she took that opportunity. I would have hated me, hated myself more if, with that opportunity, Nessie came down and said, "I'm looking for my auntie. Please wait, hey, my auntie. Oh, I <laughs> if she had done something stupid, it would have, it would have killed me. So yes, I love that part. I loved, I love hope. I love that Ne has a fresh life ahead of her. She could meet Daniel now and marry Daniel if she wants." No, I'm saying it's a possibility. They can do anything. She's a big woman. She has money now. Zeni's account. She has money, so they can do anything she wants now. I love that. There's that possibility to Nene's life. So thank you, Francis, for giving Nene hope. I'm done. <laughs> sadly, I say sadly because you did not let me say it the way I want to say it. And then I say it's not very sweet, but that is also my favorite part of the story. Choose another part, please. <laughs> no, that is it for me. Okay, okay, okay. I also like the beginning, actually, true. I also like the beginning. It is the way that um, um, it has more to do with her way of writing. You know, when she starts out and she's talking, when the story opens, the first paragraph is just talking about um, I am my aunt's. Um, dress the baby, 
your dream girl. And people who love children are like, oh, and then you send me so much socks, and then you're like, oh my god, they don't have money. Oh, let me come and give them money. <laughs> so the transition from that point to they just sold this small baby, this newborn baby that this girl had just given birth to. That shock, yes, yes, that was that was a good one too. Um, Francis did a good job there. Her descriptions are powerful. They are so simple and yet so powerful. Like she goes on to describe things that stay with you. As in, I can see that sock, the one that is green, stripes. Like I can see it. I, I've seen, um, if you've gone to a community health center before and you see people trying to and you see people with their babies on a day that they are doing maternity or whatever, I don't know what they call it. And and you see people that are from let me say low income earners or really, really low income with their kids. You'd see some of them with mismatch socks, you'd see some of them with clothes that are carryovers like maybe all of her five children, this sweater that they see all of them and when they finish using it for you, they wash it and keep for the next baby. You know, stuff like that. So you are able to in as much as she's trying to sound big in some instance, you are able to completely relate with these people. You're able to see them. You're able to you see them in yourself, you see them in your neighbors. Okay, not the what they were doing, but as human beings you're able to relate with them. So that was something really great that Francis did. And yes, I liked how she was dropping the bomb share one after the other. So as the media we were like, okay, this is the routine, this is the routine. So what is going to happen? And then just like how people said, you are reading and you are you are worried. Like at the end of the day, something something was going to happen. There must be a turn, there must be a shift. What if this girl just gets really mentally ill and commits suicide, killing herself and maybe baby in her womb or something. What if she decides to go crazy one day and stabs her and see all possibilities that I have thought of because, you know, as Hannah said in the last episode, I can be evil like that. But, you know, you shall know that something is coming. And because of the twist that you give, you know not to expect it. Like you are wishing for something, but you can't dare wish because you don't know what Francis is about to do to you. You know, something like that. So, can I quickly point out something? Yeah. So for for those of us asking where the story was set, the story was set in Portacot actually. Um, I'm reading a place. I lip read the names of bus stops: Saint John's, Iwofe, Pepperoni, My Four, Orazi, GRA, Waterlines, Garrison. These places are popular places in Portacot. So yes, it was set in Portacot. I think the turning point for was was where she had a baby who was disabled, I think. The baby came out looking different from every other baby they've had. Because I was wondering, um, they were tired of the whole circle. But perhaps if this bus, inc- uh, the train incident had happened maybe after the first baby, they probably would have been still mumuing in her brain and she wouldn't have ah, this is an opportunity I will stay. But yeah, they've had several babies. They've had the one with green cloth 
they had one with um, one who came out looking like um, a ball of wool, you know. They've had one. Yeah, like, like, so yes, they, they've had different babies. And so perhaps her body was just um, revolting that, come on, this is enough. At that point that she decided to say, no more, I'm done. I think that was um, a very important part in the story. And I love that it is relatable to human beings too. Sometimes we we keep on taking um, terrible situations and hoping ah, this person should just catch sense and change or something. Something good should just happen. But at some point in our lives, I believe we, we decide to um, take control, to do things. As I said also, this is a theory. If the boss situation didn't happen, because of the level Ine was now, because she was fed up, Ine would probably have created a situation too. If I'm just saying, I'm speculating, because she was fed up, if that boss situation, why do I keep saying boss? If the train incident didn't happen, Ine would probably have run out of the house one day or done something silly in quotes. To just get out of the of the crazy life she was in. So, yes, I think what you are saying is absolutely right. That I think that's what makes the whole story so amazing for me. That spark of hope at the end, because my favorite part was like the last paragraph yes. when that woman tells her to breastfeed the baby, and she's like, "I didn't bring the memory that, that I bore this child brought into my head." Wow. Like, it was at that moment that the memory that this child is my own came to her. <laughs> at that moment when she breastfeeds the baby and she gasps and I just felt finally <laughs> something good is going to happen to this girl. She deserves it actually. She does. But when you are talking about, you know, the deficient the baby that she had that had health issues. Yes. And you know this baby that she was holding, there was this part where she talked about how the girl had green eyes, but then her sclera was blue, uh, like the whites of her eyes, instead of her being white, there was Yes, there was yes, yes. Eyes. I yeah. saw that and I thought that, wait, what is she trying to describe? Deborah, are you I have sure to go and that Daniel is not half cast? That's hey. what I talked to, so I apparently it's a health issue. Aha. Uh-huh. Like it's yeah. a blood thing when a child has this I've forgotten the name of the disease and iron deficiency too. So these children don't live long. Very low mortality rate. A high mortality rate or is it and also the first baby she had that was like uh wool, the second baby. Yes. That was also a symptom of the same disease, where so their bones are brittle and they break easily. Yeah. And I was oh, like, so the baby is not even going to survive. That's so sad. Daniel from it's Daniel, because her first baby was healthy. It's Daniel's baby, that's why. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Look at the part where the aunt said, where the um, princess said, the aunt looked at Ine with accusation in her eyes, like, you did this, you gave us this sickly thing, you know. 
and yes, then she came after the next time. Yes. Have you been taking your folate? Please. We don't want sick babies, you know, something like that. So please take all the medications you have to take so we can have healthy babies to sell, you know. So, yeah, I, I, so I, I nobody will blame Daniel. Yeah. For me, I blame Daniel. And when I googled the whole thing, it was like uh, something that has to do with both the mother and the father, actually. It's a recessive gene that when it meets from both parents, that's when it forms in the child. So it's both her and Daniel. But I don't trust Daniel. Daniel. Uh -huh. mm, I just don't like Daniel. <laughs> I really like Daniel, though. Not many men could can have that courage to have two lives. And courage! <laughs> so, I'm wondering, I'm wondering if you guys wondered who was responsible for Nene's first pregnancy. I, was, I guess it's the uncle. Because this one that he didn't come to look for her. You know, when he took her from the village, from her mother, it was as if he was doing them a favor. But now, from the way the thing looks, I'm suspecting that uncle. And I'm suspecting Nesu. Maybe it's one boy from the street, you know, one boy in their area that get, that got her pregnant. So that fear, she couldn't go back home. The school they said I should come. How come I'm pregnant? That fear and all just sort of made um, the aunties coming a like a savior. Yes, she's going to save me from this trouble I've gotten myself into. So yes, I blame Nene. I blame the uncle. I blame the mother for. Letting the girl go to the city with some random uncle who is not actually a blood uncle, I think. So yes, I blame no, they weren't they weren't related. But that that is that is that is something else that we we like we didn't um focus on from the beginning of our discussion. As in the man did come to the school to look for her. And no, I do not blame in there. I think I don't think that okay. Let me explain it. There is a level that experience, there's a level of experience that comes with, I went out of my way to do this thing and I know I am responsible for it. And in, in, um, in comparison to the way Ine behaved, there was this naivety, there was this ignorance to her when Auntie came into her life. So I do not think that there was a boyfriend involved or somebody that she liked or something. If I were asked, I would swear that it was uncle, that uncle that was, that was responsible for it. And that is why he can't go an extra mile in looking for her. Because if she was to come, and now that she's pregnant, or allowed herself, because I know men that would say she allowed herself to be pregnant. If she was to come and she's pregnant, and he eventually finds her, you would have to do something about the pregnancy before returning her home or returning her to school or something. Like, it was too much headache for him to handle. So, yes, I came to the school. Maybe the school summoned me. I am looking for you. You people misplaced her back. What do we do now? And then he leaves. But that is all. And it's easy for him to write home to the village and say, Ine ran away from school after becoming pregnant by one of her classmates. How many of them would move from the village to the city to come and confirm? You know, so... It's easy for him to lie his way through that and get away with it. But there was this naivety to her. There was this... She was pregnant and all she did was just accept it. There was this defeatism. Like, I, I'm not responsible for this. I don't even know what this is, uh, but okay. I shall know that I don't want to go back home to meet that man. And that is that, that should have told us something. 
why wouldn't she go back to him? There was no point where um, Francis explained that the man was cruel to her. So it wasn't like, eh, it's pregnancy now. Last, last, take me back to, my, to the village where I came from. I'll give her to the baby and my, my mother will look after the baby for me. It shouldn't be something that she was so scared of that she wouldn't go back to the man's house and all. So yes, that man is also culpable. I'm holding him responsible. But let's take what we will do better about the story. If you were the author of this story, what will you change? What do you think will make it better? All right, let me start. For me, there's nothing I will change in the story. It's perfect. If there was anything that I will touch, it will be Daniel. Because I want to know more about him. I feel like Daniel is something that could... Maybe another story about Daniel, Sha. But for me, the story is just perfect. Changing it will, or making it more active or anything, will just ruin the whole aesthetic that she had. So, Debbie, what will you change? What will you add? Okay, so, I love the story the way it is. I wouldn't change anything. But for fun, I would love it that the aunt is a guy. So, I would hate guys more for for doing something terrible to me. Who is a woman? That's just my my female bias speaking. But don't mind me. Also, for fun, I'd love that we have more Daniels. Daniel one, Joseph two, uh, Andrew. You know, different guys. So I would have varieties. Don't the don't the clients want different babies? I, I want a fair baby. So please make sure the father is fair. Don't change the mother. I like the mother's small lips. I just want a fair daddy, you know. I want my baby to be from India, uh, to have Indian whatever. So please, I'll pay more. Just give me Indian father, you know. I think it would have, it would add more fun to the story. Interesting. There's a lot of secrecy surrounding what Auntie was doing. And that is why I'm not sure that she even uses one client more than she, I, I don't think she satisfies a client more than once. So the whole issue of um, I like the mother, I don't like the father, it doesn't come up. She did her business in a low-key manner. Yes, the money she's asking for, based on the description, could be like a huge amount of money at that time. But um, it's more or less because um, when she when they gave birth to the baby that was ill, she said... Um, it didn't matter to auntie. Whatever the client gets, the client takes. There is no issue of return policy. There's no, I don't want this one, I will return. Which also means there's no choice about what the baby is going to look like. And she needed to keep her, her I don't know, activities as quiet as possible. And possibly that is why, okay, I've gotten this Daniel that is um adept at keeping secrets that is very effective in doing the job and all of that so let me just keep my circle small let me do what i need to do let me get as much money as i can but like Ines said in the story she was wondering she wanted to ask the midwife if there were there have been other girls like her in the house before now if there would be others after her Okay, she didn't she didn't wonder about after her shite. She was more or less before her. And is this the only house that auntie is um for me, if I was going to change anything or add anything to the story, because yes, Francis already did an excellent job, it would be to give or to hint at the possibility that 
this is a bigger operation and to provide a like okay Nia just ran away with all of this money she's going to use this money to come back and hunt the hell out of them like from the top to the bottom she's going to bring the entire operation crashing down something like that because i do not somebody that okay to an extent um and she also showed a level of efficiency she wasn't greedy or she didn't let her greed overshadow the um, um her sense of reason so the whole i have one girl let me not try and get more god has thrown her my way let me just keep her and continue to milk her for all that she's worth then maybe after she can no longer give birth to babies maybe i don't know what she was supposed to do discard dispose and then get another one there are people who would feel ah this is going so well let me get two more girls let me get three let me fill the whole house and have multiple babies in one year instead of just one every year you know things like that so if i was going to change anything it would be to see um to have an insight into who auntie is or uh, who she was before ina came into her life what so we can expect or we can predict that okay for this reason or that reason this is what she's going to do now that ina had successfully gotten out of her clutches um she's going to go look for another another child or no she's not going to she's she has so many other girls at her disposal so losing one yes money gone um clients not satisfied but she would recover like i would love to see more into the entire operation and all of it but otherwise i like the story yeah i think i would have loved to see the answer action to like afterwards when she was running and following them i would have loved to see how she felt at losing in her losing her baby making machine all right for <laughs> our for our take home what we took from the story uh for me i think my take home is actually literally i've learned a lot on writing from francis just reading the story i learned how to drag people into the story like suspense if you want people to always remember the story don't give a sad ending no let them keep guessing so that is my take home and i'll always of course go back to francis because i need to go and read more of her work she is amazing daddy what's your take home from the story uh i think mine is also literally i come back to for her no one when i want to enjoy the beauty of language so i come back to francis especially this story when i want to enjoy the beauty of language i just take my time word for word sentence for sentence and just bath in the beauty of her writing Wow, we pride ourselves on being very uh very big on family in africa we we um blame the i don't know what do you call them the westerners for 
okay, how can you have a wedding and it's just you, the couple and their friends, which are not at most a dozen, and they could have a wedding in a small room and that is it. When the beauty of life is a large family with cousins, with nephews, with everybody being together and all. And then the same us that are doing this are the ones that cause the most harm to our families. We are the ones who have toxic relationships from families. We are the ones who get damaged mentally as a result of our relationships with our families. So I, I don't know, it's, it's, and for me, the story just, it was more than just a human trafficking story. It's more about who are Ines' parents? Why was she with somebody else who went, like she got trafficked more than once. The moment she had to leave her mom, leave home, because there was an uncle who has decided he can pay for her fees. So she left home and went to stay. Only God knew what kind of experience that was with the uncle. But he did his job. He put her in school. He paid the fees and all. And then, yes, when she went missing, she came to look for her once. But where is her mother in all of this? Why hasn't her mother come and strangled that uncle until he produced her daughter? Why wasn't a proper investigation done in the school to find out that she, this is her closest friend and people saw them living together. Where is this girl? Like, how could nobody had gone in search of her? Like, proper search, or not, I tried, I've done my best. Proper search. Why was this girl left on her own? And the sad part of it is that she's just one in several thousands around the world, especially in Africa the place that claimed that, oh, family is the best. So my take home is we need to do better. We keep saying that blood is thicker than water and all of that. We need to prove it time and time again. We need to be there for each other. We need to support each other. We need to love each other genuinely. And because at the end of the day, somebody is enabling this other person to do it and get away with human trafficking. If everybody was going to be less selfish, if everybody was going to see each other as, oh, this could be my sister, or this could be my daughter, or this could be somebody I know, then they wouldn't let this person get away with it. In fact, the person doing it wouldn't be doing it because they would have empathy for this other person. Like they would go and look for another line of business. So my take home is we really, really need to do better to relate to family. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Debbie. If you read the story of you have had what we talked about and you loved it, Frances has like 20 other published works, essays, short stories. I'm going to go look for them. You have to go look for them too. So thank you for joining us. Thank you, us. Thank you, Debbie. I had so much fun. Hope you guys had fun too. Oh, yes, yeah, thank you. <laughs> it was a lovely, lovely session. Thank you. All right, bye. 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 <laughs> if you've enjoyed our chat and would like to continue the discussion, kindly follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Short Tales Club. Also, you can find the story and other works by the author on Amazon using the link provided in our show notes. Doing so would greatly help the podcast grow. Thanks in advance and see you next time.